0: hey guys it's mark here from etf tracker this is the etf tracker show and in today's episode of interviews with experts it's episode number six we're talking with matt holberton of fedante they have two fixed income active etfs so we're going to learn more about that his views on the market and just a whole lot more so check out the show all right welcome back guys here we have uh, an expert in the fixed income space we've got the honor of uh, having matt holberton uh join our, our ranks here at uh, the ETF Tracker Show. Matt, welcome. Thanks, Mark. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so for the viewers who may not know uh, about you, I always like to ask all of the guests uh, to do a bit of an intro, you know, tell us how you got started in the financial markets. How did you get to Fidante? And yeah, can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, thanks. Okay, Matt. Look, it's a, it's a pretty easy story, actually. Um, I guess it runs in the blood, it's in the family. Uh, my grandfather was in banking. Uh, my, my father and and his brothers were also in sort of banking, whether it was commercial banking or investment banking or even financial journalism. So I was exposed to wow. financial markets, economics, commerce at, at a young age. And and uh, so I followed the natural path through university, Bachelor of Commerce and then uh, I got working in 2005 at a, a boutique merchant bank and, and from there worked through different banking products and you know whether it was sort of margin lending, securities lending, cash management trusts, multi-currency. Uh, and then eventually that led me to Fedante back in uh, 2018, where uh, I currently head up uh, distribution for listed products. And, yeah. and that uh, currently includes things like ETFs so active ETFs which we'll talk about I'm sure a lot more today.
0: Yeah no definitely um that's fascinating because some people come from uh very different kind of backgrounds I came through the data and technology route um and I had another guest that was similar others have been more kind of traditional routes it's interesting to see that you've had it run in the family that must have been interesting growing up.
1: Yeah absolutely you know um I guess understanding you know and, and reading the financial review and you know, understanding things like reporting season, uh, and and also just and politics. Uh, you know, understanding right. the impact that uh, you know economics uh, has on politics, and, and you know we had some you know fantastic uh, innovations or, or, or changes to to the Australian macro landscape in in my sort of childhood. Things like super, yeah, uh, which was brought in uh, when I was very young, and and uh, you know that that's paved the way for this industry today. So, you know, we have, I think, one of the world's largest, one of the most envied, um, you know, retirement sort of superannuation schemes in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, last time I looked, it's like the fourth biggest in the world. It's like this, you know, little Minnow Island of Australia. It is, yeah, really
1: biggest punching biggest. above its weight. Yeah, it's fantastic. Crazy.
0: crazy. We we have, and, some- and it
1: employs a lot of people too. That's the other thing. I mean, you yeah, think just how many people are involved in this sector? Uh, whether it is people directly involved in superannuation or managed funds, you know, stock exchanges, the companies themselves, it's a, you know, it's it's been a, a win-win for everyone.
0: We're a pretty big market, that yeah, that's that's for sure. So jumping back into um, Fidante and, and you mentioned yeah. ActiveX, and you've got the shirt on. We we love that. You yeah, know.
1: can you see that? All? Yeah. So ActiveX is the the brand that uh, we use for our active ETFs. Mm-hmm. So Fidante was established inside Challenger uh, Financial Group way back in about 2005 um, to, to house boutique funds management businesses. And uh, currently we, we manage about 85 billion plus wow. 18 boutique partnerships. So what typically happens is we find a, an exceptional team, lift them out of an institution, uh, back them, put equity into the business, work in capital, um, and then we go and uh, do things like help them raise money, uh, manage the back office. So the investment team themselves, the portfolio managers, the analysts, you know, they can stay really focused on, on um, you know, research and managing portfolios. So we take care of everything else. And, and we've done that multiple times over the last, uh, you know, decade or so. And uh, yeah, as I said, 18 boutique partnerships today, and wow. that's growing.
0: That's brilliant. Um, and you so, guys both... So sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So it's just uh, yeah to, to round out the active X things. Mm. So active was, was, was started in uh, late two thousand and eighteen. We launched our first active ETF called XARO, the mm-hmm. active XRD real life bond fund, and uh, that's now got about seven hundred and ninety-two million. I'm just checking my notes there as yeah. of uh, as of two days ago. Wow. It's the largest fixed income active ETF, and uh, you know it's one of the the largest uh, exchange traded products in fact for you know in terms of the flows that it's been getting which has been fantastic uh we have another one called mm-hmm. xcap which is listed on Chaix that's the active Cap stream absolute return bond fund mm-hmm. and uh you know that's uh, that that's been on the exchange for a, about a year or so less than, than xaro mm-hmm. uh, hasn't had the, the same you know, whopping success, but uh, in terms not of- Not yet. Of million, <laughs> but not yet, exactly. It's, it's early days, Yeah. Um, but uh, as we'll talk about further, you know, we have really reached a bit of a tipping point in the industry with with active ETFs. And, and I think there's a lot of innovation coming with, with fixed income. So, yeah, so X, <laughs> just think of it as a brand name.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: we're an active manager. We believe in active management. Uh, that's not to say we think that, uh, you know, passive management doesn't have a place. But, uh, but we are you know, real believers and, and nurturers of, of, of active managers. And ActiveX is simply just that, that brand name for our active ETFs. And watch this space. There'll be, hopefully, uh, in the next 12 months, another couple that uh, we'll bring to market.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, I, I know very well that whole kind of um, company and then different brands underneath it, like ActiveX. I mean, ETF Tracker itself is a brand under the main uh, kind of company. So, you know, uh, that that's our kind of talking piece for for ETFs and, and continuing those conversations like this. But, you know, on that um, uh, ActiveX and, and those fixed income ETFs, the two that you've got, I mean, I see inflows at xro is always up there in terms of high levels of inflows and very recently like it i think it cracked top five or something like that that i saw but can yeah. you tell us a little bit more about um you know for for many viewers i mean i think it's just because of sheer um knowledge of you know most people know equities and they see companies in the news they don't talk about fixed income too much but you know. Um, some people might not know that there are fixed income ETFs. How do they differ to equity and other types of ETFs? And, and um, the question here is, how do they uh, get used in a portfolio? Yeah, so
1: I, I guess they don't make the headlines like companies do, um, and, and Australians have, have been, you know, stock pickers or, or stock investors uh, for a very long time. I guess it, you know, it goes back to even. You know, the gold rush we've just <laughs> always had that uh, you know that desire to invest in in things that sort are of perhaps speculative or growthy and or, or investing in, I guess at the end of the day you're investing things that you know and yeah. um, bonds government bonds or corporate bonds just aren't really you know part of the everyday lexicon either you don't really talk mm. about oh did you hear that that German government bond did you see <laughs> what happened overnight you know it's not it's really a small subset of yeah. <laughs> Of the market that, uh, that that's, or, or society that talk about bonds, but it's actually a much bigger market and probably more important than than the equity market. So um, what we've seen over I think over the last say five, five or even ten years, is um, a little bit more focus on on fixed income from mm-hmm. you know the average investor uh, as they look to diversify their portfolio. So you can't I mean, you can, but it's, it's probably not considered best practice to be 100% equities.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, you, know, you might want to always keep a, a little bit of cash for a rainy day for, for when markets perhaps fall and um, you want to take advantage of that dislocation and buy some more equities. So, yeah, typically portfolios will have part growth and part defensive. Fixed incomes typically been, uh, you know, made up most of that defensive allocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, you, you'd have also had a bit of cash, but because cash rates are, are so low, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's very hard to, to hold pure cash. So, a fixed income is simply just investing in debt instruments or debt securities, things like government bonds. So, they're bonds issued by, by governments around the world, and, and mm-hmm. corporate bonds are uh, bonds uh, issued by corporations. And they promise mm-hmm. to pay you a coupon um, at a set interval or, or possibly. Right at the end of the uh, the cycle, the life of the bond, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, there is a maturity date and the bond is, is repaid. So if you invest hundred dollars, you might get a five percent coupon for say ten years, and then after ten years, you get you get that, uh, that principal back. And so look, they, they there hasn't there hasn't really been a lot of uh, new product in the ETF space or in the active ETF space until the last couple of years in fixed mm. income. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, yeah, the reason why, why it has been popular is, is because investors were starved for choice before that. And uh, there are a, a number of products that are hitting their objectives that are you know, delivering great outcomes for clients. And, and I can talk about the the ActiveX uh, uh, DAIA Real Outcome Bond Fund just for a second so that. That targets, uh, simply this targets uh, a 2% above cash with a 2% volatility budget. It's a very, very smooth ride, very low volatility of returns. It only invests in in government bonds um, and cash and derivatives. So 90% of the portfolio is in sort of AAA, AA rated government bonds. They look for mispricings between those instruments and they do use um, derivatives to isolate mispricings. You think of them as an arbitrage Mm. style of investing. Uh, but yeah, very low risk, uh, and that's been really popular with investors because uh, yeah, cash is not returning much, uh, some of the conventional fixed income uh, strategies haven't been perhaps you know, doing what they're designed to do, so there's a lot of interest rate risk in, in, in the index at the moment. What that means is if, if interest rates were to go up, we expect some pretty large capital losses. Um, you know, so investors have been piling into more sort of shorter duration assets to, to minimize that risk. But mm. if, you, if, you get, if, you, if you're on the other side of that, if you actually pick when you think interest rates are gonna fall, you can actually make quite a lot of money when, when, it, when the price of bonds increases. So that's this concept called duration. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that before and, and yeah. others have, what, it, what, what is that? You know, it's simply just the, the sensitivity to a bond's price. Uh, to changes in interest rates. So when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. When interest rates go down, bond prices go up. Uh, but that is a very, you know, sort of a binary outcome. Um, and there are other ways you can you can invest in fixed income with sort of taking that risk out or, or mid trying to minimize that risk. Um, things like uh, looking at floating rate instruments, whether they might be corporate loans or, or other floating rate notes, that sort of takes the duration Risk out, and you're just then playing to your credit risk. So yeah, I do. I do expect more and more products to to hit the boards over the next year. I've I've heard from our good friends at CHI-X that uh, yeah. you know, we've got quite a few on the way, and and also I think at, at the ASX, um, you know, there'll be a, a lot more coming to market soon.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, with the C D O E kind of buyout of chai i i'm um, hoping and, and you know expecting to see more products there and similarly from the, the biggest exchange the asx now you mentioned um all of these terms that viewers may or may not know but we'll make sure that we include mm-hmm. uh some definitions in the show notes uh there but you know mentioning like the fixed income side of things um at, of etfs right everyone's so used to equities not only are you guys doing uh, fixed income, which um, some people may or may not know uh, already, and they should, because as you said, it's a very good defensive mm-hmm. um, kind of hedge against any kind of market volatility, yeah. right? But um, you guys are also doing active. So that whole active versus passive with ETFs, um, yep. I've spoken about it before. I've had other people speaking about it, But what are your um, thoughts on that? Do you, do you see a place for both in portfolios?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even though I wear this shirt and it says ActiveX, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I don't believe that passive has a place. Um, and, and just for, for your viewers, I mean, mm. passive is simply where you where you track an index. Um, there's also a sort of smart beta, which is another sort of a smarter passive strategy, perhaps you might call it, where it um, tracks quality factors or, you know, momentum, what yeah. might be sort of thematic they've been really popular and, and they have a place because, uh, you know, sometimes you may not have time to, to go and um, select an active manager. You know, there are so many active managers out there, like how do you decide which one to use? Yeah. Um, so they can be, you know, that can take you a bit of time. If you just want immediate exposure to something, you know, they're a fantastic way to do that. Um, and then even, even beyond that, within a portfolio, you, you may not want to have all of your all of your investments um, run by active managers because of, because of cost. You might want to keep your sort of fee budget to a limit. And that's why you can use both because passive is obviously cheaper mm-hmm. than active. And so, yeah, you've probably heard of the a core satellite approach. That's been yep. very popular in the financial planning space where you might have you know, your core investments that are passive, lower fee, and then the satellite investments are active managers that obviously charge a management fee, perhaps they charge a performance fee which I you know, personally don't have a problem with for a lot of assets. Although for a defensive fixed income product, uh, performance fee is probably not appropriate because the managers shouldn't be reaching for returns. They should actually manage into a risk budget. So you, you don't often see performance fees in, in sort of defensive fixed income or defensive assets. Uh, but for, certainly for equities, I think it, it, it can be really appropriate and really motivate and, and incentivize and align the investor with the, the investment team. Mm -hmm. so yeah look i definitely think there's a place for both and um you know so i yeah i get a bit sick of the old argument active versus (laughs) passive because yeah you know it 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 really is it really is both um you can have both in your portfolio personally do and you know i've seen you know some of the smartest minds out there some of the you know the best portfolio managers or cios that i admire will have both in the portfolio Uh, so yeah definitely don't believe it's one or the other
0: Oh, perfect uh, and great to add your view to to the many um that are out there and i i'm i'm in line with you I, I definitely see room for for both there now um you know touching uh on that what goes into the portfolio and you mentioned a few things about the satellite and core and defensive and growth you know these are things that people are seeing and they're, they're interested in because they want to know well. Uh, I'm trying to get into ETFs, how do I, you know, how do I assess an ETF? And I've told people to look at, you know, a couple of different things, but I'd love to get your yeah. opinion on that. How do you, when say someone talks to you off the street and wants to know about how to assess an ETF, where, where do you start? What, what do you look at?
1: Yeah, great question. So I would start with, okay, what is your objective? Um, mm. You know, are you saving for a house? Um, have have already got a house. So you want to diversify your wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, have you just got a bit of money that you want to invest and, you know, shoot for the stars you know so yeah. what is your what is your objective and, and then what is your risk tolerance you know? mm. so if you're if you are saving for a house or something a deposit and it's maybe a over a one or two year time horizon perhaps you know you don't want to just you know aim for the aim for the stars and, and risk everything because you know if, if things were to go south you could you could lose a large chunk of that. Yeah. Um, but if you if 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 the money's set aside for you know for ten years or more or five years or more, uh, sort of a medium to long term horizon, and you really want to grow that, then you know then you should be looking at at growth ETFs, mm-hmm. whether that's equities or alternatives. Uh, it be property based. Um, you know there are so many. It's global, Australian, emerging. Uh, you know so that's many, that's yeah. the sector that's had the most growth which is no surprise i think you mm-hmm. know we have been australians have been home biased for so long the home bias is i think strong in every country that makes sense like i said before you you invest what you invest in what you know mm-hmm. you know so woolworths or cba telstra uh you know they're local they're domestic you know those businesses but um yeah we've seen huge growth in in global equities so in, in recent time they, they continue to pretty much every month top the yeah. low charts, don't they? As you know, Absolutely. you're the expert when it comes to trends. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so I think, yeah, so you so start with an objective, have a risk budget, so know no the tolerances. And then, you know, look, when it comes to ETFs that are listed on CHI-X or, or the ASX,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know that they've already gone through rigorous checks to, to get listed. Um, so the managers, you know, from an operational Risk and compliance perspective are going to be really sound. I guess then you want to look at okay, the objective of the of the ETF. If it's a if it's a, a passive ETF, um, you know they're all doing the same sort of thing, so it's a bit of a commodity. I guess so. I guess cost is going to be the main driver. And um, when it comes to an active ETF, yeah, look at the objective. Have they hit their objective over the long term? Or you know, if if they're only a recent product, you know, just have a look at their uh, their short their short track record. Quite often, you'll see that um, some of the ETFs sort of come to market
2: mm.
1: actually feed into a, a managed fund. That's so sort of the figure structure, so, and that's what we've done with XARO and XCAP. So they they invest in the managed fund, and the managed fund itself might have a 10-year track record or more. Um, and so you can, you know, you can look at and and look at it on a risk-adjusted basis too. I mean, what is the manager saying with their risk budget is or or you know standard deviations? just we just you know measures the variance of returns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they exceeding their their objective? Uh, you know, over the long or medium term, no, no, no. Active manager is going to hit their objective. You know, over every time period, all of the time, it is very hard. Yeah, um, But, you know, so looking at those two, three, four, five year numbers, et cetera, probably a better gauge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, then it also comes down to things like uh, on-market liquidity. So looking at the volume on screen, looking at uh, how many market makers there are, looking at what the average spreads are. And you can find all that information on your fantastic BTF tracker. Um, and then, you know, the source data is, is from ASX and chi um, or bloomberg if you've got access to a bloomberg terminal uh, so it's those sorts of things i think it's yeah, it's the liquidity the size yeah. as well also matters you know so yeah. um, size that, matters yeah it <laughs> does but that's not to say that you know you shouldn't look at new ones because you know from from little things big things grow and mm-hmm. if you look at the, the trends um, and some of the, the new etfs are probably going to hit the market later in the year they're going yeah. to start really small and um, you know, so size shouldn't be a, an impediment either, as long as you believe that that is uh, an ETF that is going to succeed as well. I
0: guess. Yeah, 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 that's right.
1: The only, yeah, the only caveat there is that occasionally these ETFs um, do get shut down. Yep. Th- same with managed funds as well. Now, whether they're active or passive, if they don't attract enough uh, farm or funds under management, mm-hmm. that may not be viable. So, I guess yeah, it pays to go the a big name um uh, with, a, with a good team a growing theme um a team like i said at active x kind of powered by fidante part of challenger you know it's a huge team
0: we're, yeah pedigree
1: space pedigree yeah we've got we've got more and more coming you know so things like that matter as well
0: that's really interesting yeah. that you said that you know like a lot of people may not know that but with the active um etf so i don't know if it's all of them or or maybe it is but that they have not just the ETF component, the listed, the open-ended component, but the closed-ended and the unlisted. There is that track record there. So if you see something new that's like an active ETF and you're like, oh, that's not much data, whether it's through ETF tracker or you're looking at your own um, kind of data sets there, there, there is more of a track record that can often be seen, isn't that?
1: That's right, yeah. So that's, um, for, well, certainly for the, for the ones that have, that are interfunded or feed into an existing managed fund. You know, you can basically just look at that that track record because you mm-hmm. uh, know the ETF is is going to get the same return as the fund over over time because it simply just invests in that. Uh, there are other structures where the ETF pool of assets is a separate pool of assets to the managed fund.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we saw that with some of the the equities, global equities ETFs um, in recent years. Uh, but then you can look at the manager. Uh, to get a sense for their track record even though the ETF you know, it might have only had a couple of months or six months track record so yeah it's always important to, to have a look at the track record of, of the manager um, and then more recently we've seen you know Magellan the, the largest yeah. uh, player there in, in, in global equities in Australia um, do something quite quite innovative and basically take their managed fund and you know, ETF and LSC and and combine them into a sort of one structure, two units, and well, what we also call is the dual structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you know buy and sell units and on exchange or off exchange, and, and you know you're getting exposure to the same underlying assets. Um, you know, so that that's something I think that we're going to see more and more with other other managers.
0: Uh, and another
1: another trend we've seen too is some of the the Global Equities LICs convert to active ETFs.
0: Yeah, Monash did one recently.
1: Yeah, yeah so. so I expect to see that and Antipodes announced. They were going ah. to do that subject to approval. That's, uh, yeah, more, more recent times. So. Okay, I'll keep but it on. We, we, could, we could have a, a huge discussion on the appropriate wrapper for each different asset class, but you know, that's a really important discussion because not everything needs to be Necessarily in an ETF, you know, some assets that are illiquid probably are better suited to an LIC or an LIT, um, or if they're capacity constrained, if you actually don't want these things to grow infinitely, you know, grow too big. If it's a, a market that's quite small, you actually want a fixed pool of capital at work, uh, the, the closed-ended sort of LIC structure can work, but for something like global equities, large-cap global equities, uh, yeah, the active ETF works really well.
0: That's brilliant, and um, yeah, there's a whole list of the different types of fixed income and global equity and all these different categories that are there. Um, we make it easier to you know look up some of that stuff. Or you might have another app that you're looking at that that has that. But very cool, you know, seeing all this information there. Like I'm definitely learning more about the fixed income space just from this uh, conversation, and so hopefully our viewers will too. If they already know uh, they you know further info or if they didn't know then they know that they need to look into it right now um jumping into um you're talking about like the the types of innovations there and and seeing like Mm. active etfs listing and we're talking we're seeing some new thematics coming out like etf security and all this the hydrogen type um etf Mm. just on all this growth you know the markets Mm. are now just under 120 billion will no doubt get to 120 plus um when the august numbers come out uh early next month but what have your thoughts been on, you know, just being in the space for how many years you have, um, the, the growth of ETFs here in Australia, did you expect them to, I guess, get as popular as they are? Were there those signs early on or is, you know, what, what are your thoughts on all that growth?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think it's just going to continue. I think, uh, you know, if you look, look back to Catalyst, um, you had the GFC, which caused that mm. first big, I think shift and, and focus real, yeah real paradigm shift into into that type of investing mm-hmm. um, and then we saw it again last year in uh, the COVID sort of march drawdown and a lot more a lot more people getting interested in investing yeah and whether that was also just in direct equities but also in, in etf so i think you do need big catalysts like that uh, it's certainly going to change and then if you look to i guess the more developed markets when it comes to etfs like the us mm. and canada you know where ETFs make up a, a much larger share of the market. If we were to follow in, in those uh, those countries' footsteps, you know, we could see our market going from yeah, about 120 billion up to, sort of, I reckon, four or five, maybe 600 billion in you know yeah. in the near future. So, yeah, I think there's this huge, uh, huge potential. That offer a simple way to access, you know, active management or index type management, passive management, you know. It's so easy to, to trade via the exchange uh, and the exchanges themselves are getting you know more technological you know and improving the the, the, the settlement experience uh, you know and it's just so easy a um, simple click of a button buy buy units uh, two days later you, the cash is taken out of your account and you know you can trade throughout the day it's um, yeah. yeah it couldn't be easier so I definitely think we'll see more growth, and mm-hmm. I guess yeah, on 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 what what I think is going to come. I mean, we've, we've talked about equities, domestic, global, fixed income, sort of domestic and global, and, and cash. But currently on the ASX and and seem um, to be charged. You've got other other types, other asset classes, so things like currencies, uh, commodities like gold, uh, property, and infrastructure. But probably where we're going to see uh, growth and and where the, where the trend is heading is things that are, you know, high tech, super, you know, supercharged sort of FinTech, um, ideas, um, robotics, um, AI. Yeah. uh, Genomics as well. Uh, So yeah, sort of biotech stuff. Um, Crypto has to be thrown in there as well. You know, that I know there are a few, a few that are being looked at uh, currently by uh, ASIC and the, and the exchanges and applications are in so we might see later in the year you know, one or two crypto etfs and again that'll make it so much easier for the average retail investor to access that that asset class and you not have to worry about things like cold wallets and yeah.
0: security <laughs> around passwords and stuff <laughs>
1: exactly exactly yeah. so so yeah i think um yeah the trend is a friend we're going to continue to see more growth good line um, and, and another another area that mm. i should mention is esg mm. so yeah in investment strategies that are that are focusing on the environment you know, combating climate change that are helping build a more sustainable world uh, i think they'll continue to be be really popular uh, you know we've actually got a couple of ideas in mind as well that uh, in that space that, that'll be coming hopefully later this year or, yeah. or early next year yeah global sustainable investing
0: watch this space then for Absolutely. all of you you heard it here um the bitcoin one's interesting right because a lot of these times like uh, and you mentioned before like etfs can delist if they're not popular enough if they're not getting the flows in um But when a new ETF lists, uh, you know, following on from some trend that's been seen in the market, sometimes people talk about, oh, it's too late. It's like, well, it's not because these thematic ETFs, you see them grow. So even if they do list after the trends kind of been hitting in the equity markets, you see these things still grow and perform. Um, But with the Bitcoin one, it's interesting because, yes, they've still got to deliberate overseas in the US and also here with the uh, consultation paper from ASIC. But if, if it does list, it's already got like, demand there there's already a lot of people um and you know different generations but mostly the younger ones that are wanting to to get in there but that'll be interesting if it does um kind of list uh yeah and and esg as you mentioned um look the the thing that is really interesting is seeing all of your kind of thoughts and and, you know ideas on this kind of stuff if people are interested in learning more about fixed income learning more about like strategies that you guys uh, talk about. They want to follow the insights that you put together um, at ActiveX mm-hmm. and Fidante and just learn more about that. And maybe the other 17 kind of things that you guys mm-hmm. do, because ActiveX mm-hmm. is one of the 18, right? Where can they go to yep. learn more?
1: Yeah, thanks. So um, the, the website, our website is um, FidanteActiveX.com.au. So that okay. that is where you'll find more information about our two active ETFs, so XCAP and XARO. Mm-hmm. Uh, on there, we do have other resources you know, about what is fixed income, what is an active ETF, you know. more more detail on what we've discussed today. I think that would be a good place to go. If you right. want to find out more about those managers themselves, so DEA manage the XARO ETF. They have a mm-hmm. website, so look up DEA Investment Management and CapStream Capital manage the xcap etf i'd also look at the asx and ChiX for more resources as well yeah. so the asx has a fantastic website really good resources on on uh, you know the trends on liquidity market makers what is a market maker you know they've got a, a really good glossary and uh, and they even have sort of tutorials where you can where you can learn more ChiX also has some some great resources and then of course your website uh, which I've been a fan of for a, for a while now. Thank you. you know, distills that information and and into a really nice, you know, interactive format. So that's that's good to, to use. I, I use that quite a lot to, to see where the, the money's flowing. Oh, brilliant! Um, and then I guess you could also go to uh, you know, US websites um, for more information as well and look up you know what's happening in, in the US and yeah So it's, it's, ETF stream or you know just look up ETF trends um, you know I, I would, that's what I would do to find out a bit more there aren't really I can't think of any any good books so you probably don't really need to read any any books there's so much content on the uh, on the internet yeah exactly about this that you can find
0: Oh, that's brilliant and i'm sure that i'm uh, sure there is a book etf for dummies i'm sure that does exist. There, there probably is and if it's not maybe we <laughs> need to write it but um yeah, yeah. i'll put those details in the show notes uh so if yeah. you're listening on spotify look at the notes or youtube then the notes will definitely be there but yeah make sure to to follow along matt um thank you very much for for all this brilliant brilliant insight um I, like i said i've certainly learned uh, a lot and i hope our viewers have too so um again thank you and uh looking forward to, to chatting more
1: yeah thanks a lot Mark. thanks for, for your time and, and thanks everyone for for watching and yeah look forward to doing this again soon
0: okay cheers see you later okay. all right see you well that was awesome so we hope you learned a lot about active and fixed income and what. Things that you need to look out for if you're assessing an ETF to go into your own portfolio. So there was a lot of lessons there. As I said in the show, the details are in the show notes. So make sure you check those out below. And yeah, if you're interested in more of this kind of stuff, follow along. We'll have more of these kinds of interviews uh, in future. Cheers.